If you've been binging my free content here on this podcast or over on my YouTube channel, I want to take a quick second before I start this episode to thank you so much for being here. But the free stuff will only get you so far. So if you want my complete proven blueprint for opening a successful and sustainable play cafe or indoor playground business that is profitable from day one, I want to invite you to join me inside my signature course, Play Cafe Academy. Head to the show notes right now to get instant on-demand access to all 12 modules, your detailed pre-launch checklist, your 34-page business plan template, your plug-and-play financial model to help you estimate your startup costs and project your revenue, and everything you need to save time, money, and frustration throughout your opening process. For a limited time right now, you'll also get an entire month of free access to Playmaker Society, my invite-only membership created exclusively for Play Cafe Academy students who want to work with me personally to optimize and scale their businesses through coaching, guest experts, templates, and plug-and-play resources, plus collaboration with over 200 other owners, and so much more. The price for Play Cafe Academy will go up before 2022 is over. So lock in the current price and get all the exclusive bonuses, including a month inside Playmaker Society and getting a chance to work with me personally by heading to the show notes and choosing your preferred way to pay in full or over time right now. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, happy Wednesday. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to keep your indoor playground or play cafe clean and tidy in the most efficient and cost-effective way possible. But I want to give a little disclaimer before we start this episode. If you're one of those indoor playground owners who made it through the pandemic, hats off to you. This will likely be very much a review and I'm so sorry, but may even give you a little pandemic PTSD, so you may want to skip this one unless you want some tidying up tips or some new ideas on how to keep your space clean, but this will pretty much reflect what you are already doing or really what you've been forced to do. For those of you who opened in 2022 or are opening in 2023 and beyond, I wanted to use this episode to share some tips on how to keep your space clean now that most states and countries are past the pandemic, at least for the most part, when it comes to regulations. Now, something that we were always consistently asked by customers year-round at our indoor playground, but especially when we were in the throes of flu and sickness season, is how we sanitized our space and kept it clean. So this episode isn't just to share tips, but It's also meant to help you form talking points and a templated response for when you are asked about your policies and procedures. And trust me, if you haven't been asked yet, you will be. Now, while I can't speak for other facilities, I know that keeping our space sparkling clean and germ-free was always a top priority. 
After all, my own children played there every single day almost. So I had a very personal stake in the effectiveness of our cleaning procedures as well. So today, I'd love to shed some light on how we managed to keep as many germs as possible at bay the best we could, again, during non-pandemic times, and to share some tips for other place-based owners to do the same. All right, tip number one, have a mouthed toy bin. Since we served babies and toddlers primarily, there were constantly toys and play food and things like that going into the mouths of our littlest guests. To help prevent these toys from going back into rotation after they were mouthed, (laughs) we had a mouthed toys bin throughout our space. So we had multiple bins, one in the kitchen, one in the baby area, one in our main play space, things like that. These were clearly labeled and some indoor playgrounds call them yuck buckets. But honestly, for me, that wasn't specific enough. Customers really just weren't picking up on that. I had to literally put mouthed toys bins, toy pins on our bins. So people actually knew what they meant, especially the older guests like grandparents. They weren't really getting the whole cutesy name thing. So just a little quick tip, but we tried our best to let our customers know where they are, and what to use them for. We tried to consistently empty these bins and clean their contents because sometimes children who are usually below reading age when they were playing at our space, when they see big bins full of toys, they think they're there to play with. So by keeping them as empty as possible at all times, it helped us to prevent this issue from kids saying, oh, wow, look at this cool curated bin of toys that I can play with. We really wanted to avoid that. So for most of our toys, we used either a disinfectant soak or steam sanitizer to make sure the germs are removed from all the nooks and crannies that can exist on these small toys. Like I said, our pretend baked goods, things like that. All right. Number two, have a rotation of toys. So for our smaller toys, like I mentioned, the pretend play food and the balls for our ball pit. We always kept at least one to two extra sets that were clean in our back office. That way, if we needed to clean between play sessions or parties or events, and we didn't have time to let the toys fully soak, disinfect, and dry, we could simply swap out the dirty set for the clean one and then do the sanitation process at a later time or overnight. This might seem like an unnecessary cost, But this rotation process will also keep your toys looking newer, longer, so you'll have to replace them less. So in the end, it's kind of a wash, no pun intended, because you're going to need to replace them anyways if you only have one set and you'll need to replace them quicker. So honestly, you'll likely end up buying the same amount of sets when it comes down to it. So you might as well use this to your benefit to turn over your events and parties much quicker. This is also how we turned over these parties, events, and play sessions so quickly while some of our competitors were needing hours to clean in between. This really helped with profitability and staffing hours since we heavily relied on parties and private events and keeping our payroll really lean to remain a sustainable business and pay ourselves as owners enough. All right, tip number three, have cleaning supplies everywhere. Something that took me about a year to learn 
was that it is much easier to keep our facility cleaned if we have little pockets or bins of cleaning supplies everywhere around our facility instead of in one central cleaning supplies cabinet. So for example, if a staff member is tidying the plate area or filling the bathroom supplies and notices that something needs to be cleaned or wiped down, if they have to walk all the way across the facility to get the supplies they need, it's likely they'll get sidetracked or save that task for later. Even though they may have every intention of going back and cleaning whatever mess they spotted, they may get stopped by a customer or some other distraction and let the mess slip their mind. And while they're distracted, other customers are likely noting the mess and maybe even complaining about it or pointing it out to other customers or taking a picture for social media. This happened especially often during our busy season when it's actually most important to stay on top of these messes to make sure our facility is clean at all times. Because as I say all the time, we used open play basically as an audition to book parties. So if it looks like we're constantly letting our facility go or leaving messes, people are not going to want to book for a very expensive party, right? So for this reason, we had small bins filled with cleaning supplies in eight to 10 different locations at any given time. That way, employees can tackle the mess immediately before being distracted by something else that needs to be taken care of or another customer. Not only did this save time, but it also increased accountability for our team members to tackle messes right away, regardless of the circumstances. And it left little room for excuses. Since we encouraged parents to accompany their children around our facility, and we actually required it, including into the bathrooms, we never noticed an issue with children getting into cleaning supplies. However, if you do encourage more independence or serve older children who might visit the restroom without help, you may want to keep supplies in a locked box or on a shelf to prevent accidents. All right, tip number four, have sanitizing stations everywhere. So another thing we had all over our facility was hand sanitizing stations. And again, if you're operating in this post-pandemic world, you likely already have this. But in case you're listening to this episode in 2023 or beyond, I feel like I need to mention this one anyways because I do not want us in the indoor play industry to lose sight of this practice as the pandemic fades into the distance of our rearview mirrors. In our 2,500 square foot facility, we had eight sanitizing stations supplied by Cintas, a cleaning company. So these were actually either mounted against the wall or standalone sanitation stations. In addition to dozens of bottles of hand sanitizer scattered all over the place. Remember, parents want to keep the space germ-free and they want to prevent themselves and their children from getting ill. I found that as long as we provide them with enough solutions to keep themselves and their kids clean, they will utilize them and therefore reduce the risk of spreading germs. And while germs will get spread when children and parents are in close proximity and we can't avoid sickness entirely, having tools and supplies in convenient areas for people to use throughout their visit is a big step in keeping all visitors safe and healthy. All right, tip number five, 
have a sickness policy in your waiver and require people to read it and remind people about it on social media and via email as much as possible. And this is something that we struggled with in the beginning. And many indoor play spaces are currently in the process of adapting their COVID-19 procedures to more current, relaxed times. During the height of the pandemic, it was easy. It was expected to mask, and it wasn't uncommon to require temperature checks before entering a building. But now that most states are relaxing these practices, we may want to consider doing so as well, depending, of course, on your area and your COVID numbers. So, for example, at our play space pre-pandemic, we had a policy that if a child was visibly or audibly ill, meaning we could see or hear that they were sick, they are not to be admitted into the play area. We also had signs that if you were feeling ill or experiencing any symptoms, you were not to enter. So we didn't just put this on the shoulders of our staffs. We had this literally taped to our counter. We had it taped to our door. Again, we posted it on social media and we included this language on our waiver as well, which guests were required to sign. So staff could easily point to that and say, hey, it's not me, it's our policy. And this really reduced a lot of confrontation and it empowered our staff to really take charge in implementing this because they don't want to get sick either. The hard part is, is that so much of this is subjective. So if a child is coughing, for example, how can we tell if it's a sickness or an audible illness versus some water in their throat? If they sneeze and the parent claims they have allergies and are not sick, how do we know that we can trust or not trust them? We did our best to enforce the sickness policy on a case-by-case basis, but we still accepted feedback from our visitors and staff and worked to constantly improve and tweak our policy and adapt it for flu season and any other illnesses that came up in our area. So don't be afraid to, afraid to make these changes or ask for feedback. Lots of facilities have a quote-unquote no green boogers rule, meaning, you know, if they can see the nose running, they're not to be admitted. But we just try to be very observant. And if a child seems to be clearly under the weather, we have a discussion with the parents and we'll ask them to politely leave. Repeat offenders may even need to be banned from returning as this places yourself and other customers and staff at risk. And honestly, if they don't respect the people inside of your space, how can they really respect or value your business at all? Oftentimes, we would offer a free pass for the child to come back another time when they're feeling better if the parent was disappointed or upset about losing their open play admission cost. This helped reduce any confrontations or complaints, and it also avoided a refund on our end. And because we made our policies very clear online and in our waiver, we did not offer any refunds, even if asked in the scenario. Again, we gave credit if asked to come at a later date. All right, tip number six, have specific cleaning lists for your staff. So one way we kept our team members on task was by having specific cleaning lists that needed to be completed at different times of the day. We had a specific opening, mid-shift, and closing task list, which I've shared with everyone inside of Playmaker Society, and 
I say this all the time, but what I just adore about Playmaker Society is that many other owners with different sized spaces and different number of team members have shared their task list in our member resource drive folder as well. So we have a lot of different examples for Playmaker Society members to draw inspiration from. And not only were our employees required to check these tasks off as they got completed, they were also required to sign their initials next to it to increase the accountability factor. And these were just sheets that I made and printed on my computer and laminated. And hot tip, a laminator is one of the best investments you can make in your business. You're going to save so much money not outsourcing this to like a FedEx office or something like that. And we used it so, so, so often. But if a task does not get done, it's very easy to track that task back to a specific team member if you use the system. In addition to these cleaning tasks that were to get completed daily, we also always had a deep clean list, which gets completed whenever there is extra time. This list helps to ensure that employees are never standing around unsure of what to do. There was always something on the deep clean list that could be done, even if we had customers inside of the facility. This list included things like cleaning the baseboards, dusting light fixtures, reorganizing party supplies or cabinets, or dusting retail items. Things that need to be done on a less frequent basis than the tasks on our daily list. However, we did require that all of these items got done at least monthly, but people could kind of pick and choose what they wanted to do from the deep clean list based on the date that it last got completed and based on what they felt like doing that day. And that gave team members a little bit of empowerment on their end because they got to control a little bit how they spent their time. The deep clean list, as I said, was extensive and could never be completed during one shift. So we were confident that our team members knew exactly what they needed to be doing at any given time without having to reach out to a manager or an owner. And again, if you would like access to all of our task lists and also member-created task lists, they're all available to you inside Playmaker Society. And as always, the information about how you can sign up or apply, it's in the show notes. All right, tip number seven, schedule professional deep cleans. If you're feeling like some of the more time-intensive tasks are too much for your team to accomplish, something we utilize during our busy season is monthly professional deep cleans. They do things like sanitize our upholstery and carpets and clean under our foam tiles. Really, anything that required us to be closed for several hours to complete or things that we lacked the proper equipment for. You can also opt for something like MicroShield 360 to enhance your space's cleanliness. MicroShield 360 and similar companies essentially come to your facility and fog or mist your entire space with an antimicrobial solution that will not only sanitize all surfaces, but also continue fighting new germs and bacteria, and the clean is all over because of the solution. This is especially great for large facilities with gross motor structures that are difficult and time-consuming to clean. These can be pricey, but in the end can save you time and money when you do an actual cost-benefit analysis. Again, if your staff is taking hours and hours to clean these. 
Plus, you can video the process like Christine from Sweet Peas Play Cafe in Kokomo, Indiana did and share it on social. Doing so made her customers feel safe and confident coming to her playground even during the pandemic and now during flu and RSV season. All right, tip number eight, add hand-washing stations. So in my recent visit to Cafe O Play in Ohio, I shared that one of my favorite things about their facility is that adults and kids were required to use an automatic hand-washing station prior to entering the play area when they arrived and after eating. This certainly reduces germs, and as I mentioned in episode 131 of this podcast and in the YouTube tour I did this facility, which you can check out on my channel if you'd like, it's under the playlist tours, it doubles as making the facility more safe for families dealing with food allergies as well. If you can't go fully professional automatic when it comes to handwashing stations, at least consider placing a handwashing sink at your play area entrance and requiring guests to use it or asking them to wash their hands in the restroom before playing. As we all know, hand sanitizer can only combat so many germs and viruses and the best way to truly eliminate as many yuckies as possible is to wash your hands with warm water and soap for the appropriate amount of time. All right, last tip, tip number nine, ask for your customer's help. One thing we were always in continuous improvement mode on is how we empowered customers to help with our cleaning process. So (laughs) we had Doc McStuffin signs everywhere, letting parents know that we'd rather have them bring us a broken toy than hide it somewhere for another child to find and possibly injure themselves on, which happens more than you would think. But we were also working on giving parents the tools they need to help keep our space clean as well, not just safe. I love how some spaces have sanitation boards where customers can find all the supplies they need to wipe down any toys or structures that may need it. At first, I thought parents would be annoyed by this concept of us asking them to clean. However, I saw more and more that parents want to be a part of keeping the facility spotless and are more than willing to play their part in keeping both the children and adults safe from germs. We didn't require customers to clean, but we did get enough parents asking for supplies to make this worth our while to add, and customers raved about it. They were constantly taking pictures and sharing it on social media, and especially our members were always keen to use the supplies. And the more other customers see staff and their peers, their fellow customers cleaning, the better they will feel about your space. So your play of the day is, yes, of course, implement any of these tips that might fit your your facility. But equally as important, I also want you to create a templated response for customers who ask about your cleaning procedures. So create a list of talking points that are detailed and specific and use it to reply to your emails or DMs or in-person questions. I know, I know, I know that every single time you get one of these messages, you likely roll your eyes and want to get defensive, especially if a parent is claiming that their child got sick in your facility or if they're claiming your space was dirty. But use these messages instead as an opportunity to enlighten and educate your customers about 
how seriously you take cleanliness and the exact steps you take to go above and beyond what you're required to do when protecting their little ones against illnesses. Because sometimes as business owners, we live our businesses day in and day out. And sometimes we forget that our customers don't do the same. So we assume that our customers know that we keep our space clean. But a lot of times they just aren't as close to the business as we are. So we often forget that we need to educate them about this. And you can also use these talking points to train your staff about how to speak to customers about this as well. Because oftentimes, just like our customers, our staff's knowledge is limited to their specific job duties. So be sure to inform them of anything that takes place outside of their working hours as well, like professional deep cleans or after hours MicroShield 360 applications. Because if you're spending money on these items and these deep cleans and your staff doesn't know when or how to share about them or if they don't know about them at all, that's a huge missed opportunity for you to get an added benefit of those services. And that's, again, by shouting it from the rooftop so people can share about it and so customers can feel confident visiting your facility. All right, so that is your play of the day today. I hope you're having an amazing week. If you have any questions about this or anything I forgot or any additional tips, always feel free to send me a message on Instagram. And as always, if you found this episode helpful, the best way that you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. Have a great day, Playmakers. I will see you right back here on Friday with a very special announcement. So don't miss Friday's episode. All right. Have a great day.